coming up on this episode of The Reenactor's Corner. Tips on how to accentuate the positive and deal with the negatives of World War II reenacting. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Reenactors Corner Podcast. This is Chris here again with Ben. How are you doing tonight, Ben? Great, Chris. Great evening. Okay, so a couple of notes before we get started here. First of all, I apologize for my voice being a little blown out. Um, My band played some shows in California last weekend, and I was yelling a lot, and I had to talk to a lot of people, and my voice still hasn't really recovered. So, um, you know, bear with me, please. Uh, Another fun fact is that this is the... first official episode i think that we have recorded completely outside so you might hear some outdoor noises this is kind of an experiment and uh i'd be interested in your feedback to hear what you think about it if you like this outdoor recording or not yeah there's some birds chattering in the background i just had to slap a mosquito so you know we'll see (laughs) it's a beautiful summer night here in massachusetts we're recording this a little bit after dusk so we'll be out here um, until after it gets dark talking about reenacting and i think it's going to be a nice setting for our conversation ben indeed so indeed so and then the other thing that i wanted to mention is is that uh we are doing a pre-sale for the next batch of reenactors corner t-shirts um If you want to see what they look like, you can look up Reenactors Corner on Facebook. There's a post there with some photographs of them, and it also has information about how you can buy them uh, through PayPal. So you're going to hear this on Thursday, and the pre-order is running until, um, I think... Saturday. So you have a couple of days from the time that this comes out to get in on the pre-order if you're just hearing about it now. Yeah, the design looks really nice. I love the uh, typewriter uh, type slugs uh, that you uh, included on that. Thanks, Ben. Okay, so uh, also uh, one uh, final beginning note is just I wanted to say at the outset of the episode, thank you very much to the Patreon supporters for your support, without which we wouldn't be able to do this podcast. So thank you. Thank you, Patreon supporters. Okay, so... Uh, for this for this first ever official outdoors evening recording, our subject is going to be positivity and negativity in reenacting. So just from the outset, um, you know, what do I mean by that? I mean, I basically I'm talking about attitudes of reenactors towards reenactors. Um, you know, what's what's a good attitude to have? What's a bad attitude to have? The types of bad attitudes that you might encounter, and sort of how to deal with that. Well, where do you want to start, Chris? Uh, this is like a big topic, you know. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of ways to approach this. Um, Let's get into the unpleasant <clears throat> stuff first. Um, so I guess we could just start off with like, you know, when you're a brand new reenactor, what are some maybe like negative attitudes that you might have, and what kind of negative attitudes might you encounter? I mean, we were talking about this a little bit off air, Chris, but uh, you might uh, say that an event is too far away or that an impression is too expensive. Um, or you might uh, you might want to you might have an idea about something, but you might be too you might be too timid to uh, to want to approach people. Um, so, yeah, that's yeah, uh, like when you get started in reenacting, I think 
reenacting is is a very weird uh, sort of a skill that you have to actually do and practice in order to sort of understand it. And when you are a brand new reenactor or a prospective reenactor, I think that there might be an inclination to kind of make assumptions about it that aren't necessarily true. Sure, absolutely. I mean, I didn't know what I was getting into when I started the hobby. And I remember how much of, uh, how scary it was when I, I didn't know anybody in the hobby. And I sent an email to a group of people I'd never met and was communicating with them, you know, prior to ever meet. I was communicating to them via email prior to meeting them in person. And sure. so, yeah, it's it's kind of scary getting started. And I feel like a negative attitude might be, you know, never taking that first step. I mean, I feel like there might be some people who, you know, they might think it's cool, but, you know, they're they're too scared to take the plunge. Well, something that you can't know until you um, actually get started with the reenactment group is how much help you're going to be able to get from people. You know what I mean? Like, um, I'm just thinking about, like, I put together um, a kid at one time. And, of course, if I had bought all of that stuff brand new, uh, just looking at those numbers on a piece of paper, if I go to a dealer site and add up what all that stuff cost, it, it was a huge number. But as it happened, when I got started with that group um, there were a bunch of guys who had used gear that they were able to offer me for prices much much cheaper than the price of equivalent new items so the cost of that impression was very very significantly less than what it first looked to be on paper absolutely i'm seeing this uh so as i may have mentioned in previous episodes i'm kind of dabbling in world war one french and civil war union uh impressions and they're still not complete they're you know Far from complete, but uh, I've been able to acquire items for, uh, you know, much, much cheaper um, because I, you know, I know people who are already involved in the scene who have been able to help me out and give me some friends prices and uh, or point me to a deal, which has been really nice. But not not you can get those kind of deals even if you don't actually know anybody, you know, like if you join a group. Um, there, they may well have loaner gear that they can loan you for a time so that you're able to buy gear over time. Or there may be people in the group, total strangers to you who want to see you succeed, who are excited to have a new person in their group and who are going to be able to sell you stuff for like way less than the go- yeah, what even abso- would be the going price for new stuff. In absolutely. Absolutely. I've seen this happen before. And another form of negativity that I've seen for people who are like not yet reenactors, but who are interested in it is they're just like, well, there's no reenactments in my town. There's no reenactments in my town or any of the adjacent towns, so there's no units or reenactments in my area. I mean, I feel like this is a bit of a complicated subject, but it's there's some events that you definitely have to travel to, you know, and may, like it. I would say that it might be a little extreme to want, you know, to have to go to a totally different region of the country, but still. Um, you know, there might be an event that's like two hours away and, uh, you know, you might have, you just, I feel like it's worth it to make the drive for these things. If you, um, get involved with a reenactment group, there's a good chance that there might be somebody who's either going through your area or who's also from your, you know, immediate area who's going to the event who can give you a ride. Yeah, and I've talked about this, you know, before on on the show, but uh, I've made a lot of, you know, very sort of close, dear friends um, on road trips um, going to events uh, in which I started off, you know, not knowing this person and became, you know, 
got to know them very well and ended up, you know, becoming personal friends with them. Um, so, yeah, I think that's, uh, I think there's value in just being open to that. There's also kind of just, there can be like a general sort of a negative sense where you're like making weird sort of rules in your own mind about, okay, well, I'm never going to do um, Waffen SS because those guys are political and evil, or I'm never going to do Soviet because I served in the army in the Cold War, you know, and, and I think that um, SS reenactors are Nazis, or I think that Soviet reenactors are communists, or I think that reenactors who are more authentic than me are evil, or reenactors who are less authentic than me are evil. Yeah, it's like, or like, you can't, uh, you, you cannot portray like an airborne impression unless you're actually a paratrooper, you know, or something, or, or you know, or like jump qualified or something, you know? Right, or like <laughs> that guy is, is crap because his impression should come with a tank or an yeah. uh, anti-tank cannon or whatever, you know, or these many, many things, these tropes where people, I think, they kind of get an idea, and I'm not saying that I'm immune to this, and certainly I had ideas like this at many times in the past, but where you're just like, you know you can be sort of, I don't know, just you kind of create these arbitrary rules and then it, it forces you to kind of like keep, have your mind closed to other stuff that you might, that might actually be really cool. I've seen, this is, I feel like a sort of extreme version of this, but I've seen some new reenactors, um, basically they, they may have never been to an event, uh, but they've already formed an opinion on what that event is, um, or they might, or they might say they prefer one site over the other, and they've never even been to either of them. We see this countless times, especially with event styles, where it's like, okay, I don't like going to tacticals, I don't like going to immersion events, I don't like going to public displays, and it's like not all of these events are equal have they ever been to them you know sure, you like, should uh... or or even like okay i went to one public display and it was a uh, you know the county fair in uh you know some small place and um you know someone rubbed me the wrong way so now i'm never going to go to a public display again and it's like there are public displays that are large-scale reenactments you know there are public displays that have tremendous opportunities for immersive moments you know and and it's the same thing with tacticals it's like you know i i see this stuff where it's like this is not a tactical this is a realistic event featuring uh, two sides engaged in a blank fire mock battle and it's like I don't know to me that that's a tactical we've also we've talked I think we've talked about this before Chris but um, there is no sort of reenactment historian there's no person that records you know every event and every unit roster um, and so you know sometimes uh, some people in the hobby who are relatively new to it, uh, they think they invented something when the reality is that that thing was being done 20 years ago. Sure. Um, and so, I mean, I, I myself have sort of fallen, uh, f f fallen victim to this in the past, so I'll admit it. But, uh, yeah, I feel like the, it's, it's, it's odd, but uh, I feel like as you mature in the hobby, maybe you gain some humility towards, you know, what has been done and, and what can be done. We mentioned, uh, you know, I'm always talking about um, how important it is to join a reenactment group and stuff, but there can be aspects of negativity that can be sort of intrinsic to reenactment groups. And, you know, I think I, I certainly am not going to sit here and say that I've never fomented or, you know, re repeated or echoed any negativity or whatever, but, like, I think there can be a thing where um, pe if people in your unit are kind of down on something, 
they might have a very nuanced reason for having the negative feelings that they do have about it. But I think it's possible for that stuff to kind of just be contagious. And then you kind of can take that stance, but maybe you don't have the the experience to really understand why. So you might be coming at it from kind of a, a misguided place sometimes. Well, I'll say this. I've seen um, sort of internet... Uh group fight fights and i've been involved in internet group fights and uh, there's a sort of i feel like it's a, it, it's it's very easy to throw shit at people when you haven't actually met them in person and maybe they live hundreds of miles away and it's it's very easy to just form these stupid little rivalries and i also feel like it's very easy to show in group belonging by finding an enemy and you know throwing shit at them on the internet um, and well, you know, not just on the internet either right i mean yeah, this, this, um, but the thing is the, the, the sort of I feel like I've seen a lot of these conflicts get resolved when you end up meeting the other parties at an event and realize they're people too, and you know maybe you actually become friends with some of those people. I think some of what you're getting at is even a little bit um, there's kind of a difference when we talk about groups, right like I am in a reenactment unit that portrays uh, a specific historical formation, right? In addition to that group, I also kind of am in other groups where I'm in um, Facebook groups, I'm in group chats, I'm in friend groups and cliques, you know? And as much as I don't want it to be this way, there are cliques that form in reenactment, your crew that you roll with or your friend group, you know, that kind of forms its own inside jokes. I'm sure it's like this with literally any kind of community that exists, whether it's a forum or or whatever, right? But um, there can be, you know, some of the... um, dynamic of joining a reenactment unit there is sort of like this clannish almost gang mentality that can exist there that i think can be a good thing or a bad thing to some extent Mm, 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 where it's mm, like you guys think that you are the best and that gives you sort of impetus to be the best to put your best foot forward we're going to show up at this event we're going to look awesome we're going to be awesome and we're gonna we're going to dominate this thing Totally. And that can be a motivator to really be good. But the problem that can come with that is that part of being a gang means that you have beef with another gang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if somebody, you know, maybe disrespects you or there's some sort of perceived slight, then it's game on. Right. And and then you're like, you're screwed, right? Yeah, yeah. I've also seen this happen before, too, where um, people sort of allow the inter- people, you know, they before they go out to events, they get involved on the Internet and they get they develop ideas about authenticity before they they go to events, because I feel like a lot of there's a lot of posturing on the Internet. And I, some people will have you believe that, you know, reenacting is always this ultra immersive experience all the time when the when the reality is, you know, like. You get to the site, and there might be modern stuff in, you know, in eye shots, um, and you know, maybe not everybody is wearing the most authentic, you know, most expensive thing, um, and that's, you know, that's a pill you're gonna have to swallow, you know. 
Right, where it's like, you know, how dare you show up at an event wearing this inferior quality uniform or ill-fitting uniform or whatever, and then you show up at the event and, like, your own squad leader is wearing an ill-fitting uniform, but you know that it's all right because that guy just, like, lost a lot of weight or, like, you know that the guy in your unit whose gear isn't exactly right. Like, it's his first event. It'll be better next time. But, like, that's, you know... The, the, the guy in the next squad over doesn't necessarily know that. You know? Yeah, totally, totally. So I've seen people make some, like, sweeping assertions about reenacting without having been to, been to events. And I've, you know, I've, I, I've, I myself have even experienced surprise, um, you know, as in when I was newer to the hobby, um, when I had these ideas about, you know, it, and then I, I showed up at a reenactment and it was totally different. It was wildly different. Well, ultimately, everyone is kind of reenacting by themselves in some sense. Yeah. You know, I've had experiences where I've gone to events that were probably absolutely fantastic events where, that I would have loved, but something happened uh, with me personally where I just had a ter- terrible time. I was sick or, um, you know, I was involved in some kind of accident or some kind of drama that happened or whatever it was. And so maybe I walked away from that event saying, wow, that event sucked. Well, that doesn't mean that that event objectively wasn't a good event for the participants. Yeah, some, sometimes real life uh, colors, uh, you know, your attitude at reenacting, and I think it's important to acknowledge that. You know, like we the there was a, there was a, there was an event last year, um, and I was stressed out about some unrelated things in my personal life, but I feel like I wasn't able to really enjoy the events because it was sort of colored by my you know real life stress, which I wasn't able to shake off. Um, and so, yeah, I, uh, it's, I just, it's, it is important to acknowledge that, you know, you're not immune to this and that just because, and that, you know, perhaps that sometimes your perception of an event is colored by other things, be it good or bad. I mean, I feel like I've really enjoyed some kind of, you know, subpar events because maybe like I had a really you know enjoyable trip to and from the event you know totally I mean I've gone to events that um, I would never have recommended anybody else go to if they happen again but I had a great time because of the combination of people that we had there we made our own fun you know yeah I mean I remember we did an event last summer that was very memorable to me um, and uh, you know the the event itself I mean I think it was pretty standard but like we just made this really fun trip of it and that i feel like the that the the road trip and the the sightseeing aspect of that kind of elevates the event in my mind um yeah so i mean uh, you know kind of thinking about uh negativity you mentioned briefly already like negativity online that can be so i think sometimes overwhelming um to people um, where you've got these groups online that will be exist for the purposes of ridiculing or, or throwing shit at people who are perceived to have issues with their impression, you know, and um, you might go into a group asking for help, not realizing that you're asking a question that's been asked a thousand times before, and so the answer that you get is one you don't like. Totally, totally. <coughs> yeah, the, the Farbfest pages, I mean, I when I was younger and new to the hobby, I... I was guilty of this. Um, I, you know, I would go on there and I would post stuff, and uh, I feel like it—it's very petty, but it—it—it uh, it, it gives you a little bit of a dopamine pr- rush when you like you—you th- you know your impression is better than this 
you know, inauthentic thing that you see, and you post to this page, and other people agree with you. Um, right, that that's its own sort of a group. Yeah. You know, where there are these people who enjoy this kind of dialogue, and they sort of find a place to um, make that dialogue together, and then they can, they can, you know, mock and laugh at people that they think don't reach their um, idea about what's right or wrong, whether they're right or wrong, you know, and they're not right. <clears throat> they're not right all the time. Sure. I mean, I, I, I remember, I think this, this, was, this was when I was very new to the hobby. Um, I posted a picture of Lemmy from Motorhead um, to a Farbfest page because I didn't even know who he was at the time. He was and, just a guy wearing a, a ridiculous <laughs> uh, simulacrum of a World War II type uniform. And I'm like, look at this Farb. And people are like, dude, that's Lemmy. Right. He's our hero. <laughs> he's our and hero. Now like marked for death. Yeah, it's like I have like now like I have now like identified myself as an idiot. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I digress. And I think there are other forms that negativity can take too. Um, that kind of are are sort of unique to an individual. And um, in my time, in my years as a reenactor, I have felt this in various ways we did a whole episode on this podcast long ago uh back when lasso was still doing it about reenacting burnout and how it can happen that you just you overexert yourself in reenacting or you just haven't tried anything new in a while or whatever it is and you're just like you're not feeling it anymore it's a real thing uh and i mean sometimes there are other factors that are involved you know um, like, you know, sometimes you just have a series of disappointments in a row, you know, or, you know, like a series of events, like don't go your way. Um, or, you know, you have some real life bullshit you have to deal with and that kind of, you know, takes you away from reenacting or, you know, you just get burned out. Sure. Um, you know, there's, uh, it can be hard to necessarily, it can sometimes be hard to maintain a positive attitude, especially if you get certain things that happen that can be really a blow to your morale as a reenactor. In my experience, um, one of the things that can be the biggest morale blow is when you're really, really excited for an event and it gets canceled, especially at short notice. That can be a really bitter pill to swallow and make it tough to um, sort of regain that excitement that you felt. Yeah, I'll say this. If you are running an event um, and there is a decent chance that it might get canceled, I, I feel like the most merciful thing that an event host can do is call the event with as much time to spare as possible because that gives people uh, who were planning on going a chance uh, to, uh, you know, maybe do something else that weekend. Uh, and, you know, to people who are planning on traveling, I feel like it's easier if you find out months before than if you find out, you know, weeks before. Hopefully we're kind of out of this pandemic phase now, but that was really tough during the pandemic when sure, an event really. would be coming up and you just know it's going to get canceled, but you're waiting for the official word and it takes a long time for that word to come. Yeah. And then the, the corollary to that is there was at least one event that I would have liked to have gone to that I didn't go to because I was, I assumed it was going to get canceled and then it didn't get canceled. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, a, I mean, I feel like the pandemic, especially that was just a bad time in general. Um, you know, it, like there was a there was a greater chance than in you know the previous era that events just would get canceled due to you know either covid numbers or government regulation or you know what have you 
You know, I, I also see negativity sometimes to change the subject a little bit um, when we talk about vendors, where there will be people, whether, you know, when you can see people in real life doing this, you can see people online doing this. I won't buy anything from this seller. Everything this vendor makes is trash. Um, you know, these people are garbage because they have these items that are made by the trash company that are sold by the garbage vendor. And it's like most of that stuff is just a big waste of time like maybe talk. the vendor had a bad run you know like well it's like all right maybe they put out some crappy boots you know maybe their current boots are made by a totally different supplier yeah uh maybe they continue to sell absolutely crappy boots but they sell the best you know equipment belt or good ammo pouches or you know the same t-shirt or or a service shirt that gets sold by the vendor that you do like I feel like, um, you know, I, I, I feel like this is maybe diminished now, but I feel like there used to be this mentality of, like, everything that is made in China uh, sucks. Um, when the reality is that maybe some of the Chinese stuff was better than the American-made stuff. Sure. I also, I used to see this, too, where, like, people would, and myself included, would disparage anything that was economically priced because I just assumed that because it was cheap, it must be bad, it must be shitty. And I've, and, and you know, I wanted to, I feel like there was a bit of sort of flexing in this, but I wanted to have high price tag items um, in my kit. Um, partially, you know, for my own sort of gratification, but also partially to show off. But sometimes the cheap items were actually better or as good as the most expensive items. Or they the, mo the more expensive items were only marginally better. Sure. And I could have bought, you know, other things if I had, uh, if I had budgeted differently back then. So, you know, thinking about my own sort of negativity... That, that I feel in reenacting, if you were to ask me, well, you know, what's an area where you think you probably could, like, be a little more upbeat about? And I think I personally um, just get into this sort of, like, trap of this sort of boomerish, like, get-off-my-lawn mentality, you know what I mean? <laughs> just like, I don't know, I, having been in reenacting for as long as I have been, which is, you know, 20, 20-something years now, um, and seeing so many people come and go and seeing so many bad ideas get tried, fail, tried again, fail again. Um, it can be hard to find the patience sometimes to like, you know, sort of, first of all, put myself in the shoes of someone who's brand new, understand that they don't realize they're asking the same question. They understand they, they don't realize that their, um, their idea has been tried and failed a million times before. And also, look, sometimes just because it's failed every other time doesn't mean it's necessarily going to fail this time, right? Like some new ideas are, are maybe going to be good. And yeah. the reality is everything is changing all the time. World War II reenacting is changing all the time. And you cannot fight that. You read about in a lot of memoirs of, you know, veterans uh, how... You know, the old guys who had been on a campaign or two, they didn't really want to talk to their placements because, you know, they just figured this guy, this guy is just going to go away. You know, this guy is just going to get killed or something. Or I have my crew and I know these people, I trust these people. And I don't want to have to, like, rely on somebody new. And I feel like that almost exists in reenacting where you get clicks of people who have been doing it for a few years, you know, who are friends and maybe they don't want to give the new guy the time of day because they just think this person is going to wash out. Um, or, you know, they, uh, they, this person is like chipper and enthusiastic and uh, they don't have the patience to basically, you know, he, 
correct, uh, like, or try to sort of uh, channel their enthusiasm in a, in a way that is productive. Sure. Uh, you know, I think that's a very apt comparison, Ben. And obviously, in World War II reenacting, we're not fighting a real war. <laughs> no. And so the new people who come in don't, like, actually die. And sometimes it's even good that they don't die. <laughs> Yes, I would say that. It, it, it is good that new people in reenacting do not Sometimes die. it is good. Sometimes. Um, well, Ben, what about you? You know, when you, if, because, uh, you know, you have undergone some sort of uh, soul searching about reenactment in recent uh, months and years, I think. I have, I have. I feel like I did, uh, I did used to very much uh, be a snowflake, and I did very much used to, um, I used to want to have the, uh, I used to want to like, I, I used to want to sort of be a showboater in like the kit that I had. Um, I feel like you have to find balance, you know, between the hobby and the other sort of spheres in your life. And, you know, if you go all in on reenacting, if you think that reenacting is so big that it can provide you with everything in life, uh, you know, with regard to, you know, like, your relationships and your friendships, you will eventually find yourself disappointed. So I just I would encourage all reenactors to basically find or attempt to practice balance, you know, between their hobby and the other sort of facets of their life. Well, you know, Ben, um, you know, you and I talk a lot about events that are coming up, events that we've done or doing or whatever, and. You know, there have been times that you have had an event coming up and you're like, I just absolutely am dreading this thing. Sure. Is sure. there a way to, like, avoid that feeling? I mean, some of the reason why I was dreading that uh, may have been just due to other sort of stressors in my life. Um, I feel like assuaging the sort of pre-event dread um, is difficult. Um, definitely it helps to talk to other people who might be going to that event. Um, maybe just to sort of put your mind at ease. Um, yeah, so. You know, I'm thinking about times that I thought that an event was going to be terrible and then it wound up being awesome. Yeah. And there are like many such times. Even, yeah. Even, um, the most recent event that we did together where we, um, did like an immersion event at our bunker site. There was some stuff going into it. Um, some people that I hoped were going to be there weren't able to make it. Yeah. Um, you know, there was a lot of interest at one time, and then it, it kind of winnowed down to a smaller number of people. And there was there was some other stuff involved there. You know, that was just making me feel like this event might not necessarily be a winner. Mm. But then uh, I walked away from that event, super glad that I did it. Yeah, that that event that event was a lot of fun. You know, and then. Um, there were just times where, um, I don't know, I maybe, uh, planned too much for what a good time I was going to have and I didn't have as good of a time, right? Let's take this opportunity to kind of pivot into talking about, uh, positivity and reenacting. And actually let's start off with, uh, when positivity can actually kind of sometimes be a bad thing. Yeah. So I feel like a lot of new reenactors just have a lot of strange ideas about historical authenticity or um what reenacting is or maybe they want to look some they want to wear something that they think looks cool but that is like a total trope you know like when i was new to reenacting 
because I thought it looked cool, I wanted to, like, wear a pair of motorcyclist goggles, um, you know. But the reality is that most German soldiers that did get issued motorcyclist goggles did, you know, there was some specific reason as for why they got these things. Um, sure. Or I feel like I... I feel like I still do this sometimes. I want to like build an impression or, or an event around a piece of kit that I own that I want to use in a certain way. Um, yeah. So to me, when I think about like when positivity in reenacting is a bad thing, I think about this like weird attitude that I've seen a lot of people have where it's like, I don't actually kind of like need to plan about this or learn about this or uh, put a lot of thought into it because it's just going to work out and everything's just going to be fine. Yeah, 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 I, I've seen that too. And yeah. it's like, y you can't just show up at an event and assume that there's going to be enough food for you to eat, that there's going to be a place for you to sleep, yeah. that, you know... Um, there's that you're, you know, someone's going to have something for you to borrow or, um, you know, something like that. You need to like figure that stuff out before the event. Sure. You, you can't just go in assuming that all of your needs are going to get taken care of. And that, that applies to, um, an individual at a reenactment event and also like a reenactment group. You mm. know, if you've never done the event before, you probably need to figure out what exactly are the amenities that are offered. Is there a bathroom or are, should we all bring toilet paper because we're going to be crapping in the woods? Like, <laughs> you know, it, where, what is the place? Are there limited places to sleep? Like, are we going to have to sleep in some terrible place because we should have brought a broom or we should have brought a tent or a stove or whatever, you know? I feel like there also can be, you know, like if you're a, you know, chipper young reenactor, um, you might think that some things are a lot easier than they actually are, you know? Like, you might think that just because, you know, like... Your buddy has some welding equipment, and you have some, like, sheet metal that you can build a simulacrum of a World War II tank, you know, or a bunker, or something that is, like, pretty monumental to engineer, and if, I mean, it, the, you, you may try, but the final result does not resemble the, e e even, even a, even I mean, a, it, a probably, modest simulacrum, you know? There's probably not even going to be a final result. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's that's one of these things where it's like... if like, you carry it through to a somewhat, you know, finished product, you know, more power to you. Um, well, there's a lot of stuff that just, uh, you know, where an idea looks good on paper. Yeah. But it's... Too, it's A lot of stuff gets taken for granted. You know, uh, money. Uh, you know, in, in certain groups, there are, are, there are people with the money to make stuff happen, but like you can't necessarily count on the financial largesse of someone for your pet project. Totally. 100%. And, um, you know, you can say, okay, well, um, you know, I'm going to spend a lot of time planning an event on my property because, uh, you know, my, my uncle one time said that I could camp on his property and it's like, there's, there's so much logistics to figure out. Um, you know, first, first thing you, you got to talk to your uncle and make sure this is like really a go, right? Can I have a hundred people show up on this property? <laughs> the answer is often going to be a no. And then even if the uncle is fine with it, you got play, you got a place for 50 or a hundred cars to park. It's funny, I just, I'm remembering just like a, a dumb idea I had when I was a, a young reenactor, so I always kind of liked the, I, I always liked uh, North North Africa, um, Africa Corps, 
kit. Uh, I always thought it looked cool. And uh, there are some places at the tip of Cape Cod where the, there are these beautiful sand dunes, the Cape Cod National Seashore. And I thought it would be awesome to do some sort of an event out there in this like otherworldly dunescape where it does, in some places, look like uh, a desert. Um, but... And we ended up doing, you know, some photo shoots and hikes out there, but the reality is that was as much as we could have done out there. Um, yeah, like, doing some sort of a World War II event in this national seashore would have required permits, and to try to do it illegally, uh, you know, like, in this weird anarchic way, that was, that, that, that was, I mean, it, it would have been extremely risky, and if we'd actually done it, it would have probably resulted in, you know, legal prosecution. <laughs> if if we could even get people to go. If we could get people to go. Which we couldn't. The other thing, too, is just because somebody owns land does not necessarily mean that it's event viable. I mean, first of all, you know, say somebody owns land, but it's 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 like three hours away from where everybody lives or more, um, people probably aren't going to go to that. And if it, and uh, Or, like, maybe you can convince some of your friends to go to a photo shoot there that sort of... It, it takes a lot to basically get an event going. Um, and I feel like people... People think it, it's easy. People think they can just do it. And some people are able to do it. Some people have, you know, their, you know, the skills of persuasion and skills of promotion. But I feel like that's something that people take for granted. Yeah, I'm not trying to discourage anyone from hosting or running an event or anything like that. No, they should. It's it's more an aspect of like, sometimes you don't know how much you don't know. Yeah. And there's there can be an attitude of like, okay, well, this guy did it. Um, this guy's not any smarter than me. He doesn't have any more money than me or whatever. So I'm going to do it. And it's like, well, if you don't have access to you know, specific things that maybe the other guy has, you know, it could be a lot harder for you. Sure. The other thing, too, is that uh, there were things that existed in World War Two that uh, I used to think were reenactable, but that I do not think are reenactable on any sort of scale anymore. Um, I, I mean, a perfect example of this... Uh, I used to think it would be really cool to do some sort of, like, assault boat impression, you know? But the reality is, I just, I simply don't think that you could really construct this scenario with an assault boat and a river crossing. It's a really cool idea in to have in your head. Um, like, maybe you see a movie and there's, like, a cool scene uh, where a character does something and you'd be like, oh, yeah, I can reenact that. But maybe you can, but maybe you can't. Yeah, we've talked about this before with like specific scenarios like, you know, I, I see people on there kind of like sort of spitballing being like, what would be a really cool scenario? Like, what if we did like this, like, you know, uh, 1941, you know, I don't know. It's like, uh, you know, some weird tropical thing or or Greece or, um, 
you know, a raid on the heavy water plants or, you know, some, some video game inspired thing or whatever it is. And it's like, you can talk all the time, all you want about how cool it would be to have a, a, have such an event. But if you don't have a site that looks like the historic site that it's supposed to represent, if there aren't any reenactment units around that portray the units that were involved in that action, uh, if you don't know anyone else who, you know, has the kit, if, if you don't know anyone who has the vehicles or heavy equipment that be requ- would be required to make it really compelling and convincing. And if you don't have a gimmick that's going to get people to come from all over to come to your event, it's like not going to happen. Yeah, sometimes, you know, you can own property, um, but how do you get people to go? I mean, I feel like sometimes you need, there needs to be something there, like a building, a vehicle, something that people don't normally see. The gimmick. The gimmick. <laughs> you know, where where we live here in New England, there's... Um, we have access to properties in northern New England, especially that are kind of remote from population centers where we could have larger scale events. You know, we've talked before on this podcast about the event that we did in Maine a couple of years ago, and we could do events there that, you know, there's places to park. We could get all kinds of people there, but where it's, uh, you know, it's four or five hours from Boston and not close to anything else. And the place doesn't offer some kind of, you know, there's not a, uh, I don't know, a chain of concrete bunkers or a, um, a Nazi moon station or some other thing that would attract people. You know, you're, you're just not going to be able to get people out there. Underwater base. Yeah, there's no underwater base. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree on that 100%. You know, I think another time that um, positivity and reenacting can be a negative um, is where you become complacent mm-hmm. and you have had a bunch of events that are great and your unit is going great and everything is all positive and that's good, but you get it into your mind that like just everything is great, everything is positive. And so you are not open to... Um, any kind of constructive critique that would help you to improve you're you're maybe resistant to suggestions about specific events that would make them more fun or realistic you know what i mean ben totally 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 yeah i i feel like you know you 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 might shoot down an idea that's actually good Maybe just because you're in a bad mood or just because, you know, you... Well, yeah, you think you're the best yeah, and you know everything yeah, and your unit is the best. Exactly, exactly. But maybe that that idea is genuinely good and you just need to be open to it, you know? So, yeah. And um, look, you know, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I'm always striving to improve my impression, improve my unit's impression, and uh, and so on and so forth. I think that, uh, you know, as, as I was saying, if you're not uh, getting better, you're getting worse. And so um, there needs to be sort of movement towards um, improvement. And that means you have to be open to ideas from other sources. You have to be open to ideas from other people. And you have to be open to criticism. And that goes for units, that goes for individual impressions, and it goes especially for events. Totally. Yeah, I... I strongly agree with that. I feel like I feel like I may have become, you know, I feel like as you get older in the hobby, you might become more dismissive. I feel like I definitely have become more dismissive, you know, of people or ideas, and so it's good to still keep an open mind. This sure. is advice I'm giving myself, you know, as well as everybody else who is sure. you know, maturing in the hobby. Um, you know, I think positivity in general is like a really good thing. You know, I think it's good to 
take pride in your group, to take pride in your impression, to try to have fun at events. You know, to me, a lot of um, whether an event is is a good one for a bad one for me can really depend on what my attitude is going in. Sure, totally, totally. You know, like I, like it, it's possible. You know, if you're having a bad week, for you to have a bad event, and you know if. If you had a good week before the event, then maybe you have a much better time at that event. Um, as much as reenacting is this escapist thing, um, it is, I feel like, definitely influenced by our attitude, you know, and kind of where we are in real life prior to going in. Sure. If you show up at the event with a bad attitude, you're probably going to have a bad attitude the whole time. Yeah. And you're probably going to have a bad attitude when you leave. Yeah. You know, you have to... You, you know, you have part of the, the fun of reenactment really is escaping the mm-hmm. things about our lives that are, mm-hmm. are unpleasant and replacing it maybe with other unpleasant things that are not real. <laughs> and, and yeah. You have to be willing to do that. Reminding yourself how much worse it could be. Totally. <laughs> you know, when, when you slam the door on your truck and, and take the field, you know, and join your comrade in, at the Zeltlager. You should be doing that with a smile on your face. You should yeah. be glad to see people. And if you're if you're not glad to see people, if you already decided before you get to the event that you're going to have a bad time, you're going to have a bad time. Suffering with a smile, <laughs> you know. And and this this extends not only to uh, real life, but also online. And that that that's something where I really struggle because I do still participate in the online stuff on Facebook and stuff. But lately, I just feel pretty. I mean, I'll be honest, it's tough for me to feel positive about, you know, certain aspects of the, especially the online, you know, quote-unquote reenactor, quote-unquote community, right? Well, I'll say this. Um, I feel like that may have been sort of uh, affected, you know, definitely for me and maybe for you, Chris, by, um, I mean, COVID, the pandemic, you know, like changes in this country and this world that are beyond our control or even full comprehension, um, you know, which we've definitely talked about on the show before. Um, but, uh, yeah, I feel like my participation in the hobby has, uh, you know, been diminished, uh, and affected, uh, in the last, uh, you know, six months or so because I've been, I've been very busy in my personal life and I feel like, it, you know, it's good to prioritize, you know, real life sometimes, but if Basically, sometimes it's okay if real life, you know, takes the front seat, you know, uh, or, you know, supersedes your fun hobby, because sometimes you you need to make stuff happen in real life. Sure. Um, But... Another point I had was, um, I feel like it. Sometimes we've talked about the negatives of this, but sometimes it is good, you know, to think that your crew is the best, you know, and to have was, a real. I was just thinking that too. To have a really good sort of uh, elan and esprit de corps going into an event, you yeah, know, comrade shaft, yeah. as it was called, yeah. right by the Germans in yeah. World War Two. Yeah, I was just thinking about that because I was thinking of times when I was in objectively really negative situations. I think um, on a previous like horror stories of reenactment episode, I discussed. I discussed a time where we were at an event and uh, it started to rain so torrentially that uh, the landowner like burst into our tent and was like the only road out of this site is like threatening to wash away (laughs) and everyone has to get out right now you know and that could have been a real that could have been a situation where you're taking down the tent in the pouring rain swearing and spitting but it wasn't like that at all you know everyone was laughing everyone had a smile on their face because 
you know, here we are, this group of friends. Uh, we we've gone through plenty of arduous situations before, and like here's another one, and we're gonna we're gonna do it because we got to do what we got to do. Yeah, it's the uh, it's the sort of it is the camaraderie that you build with these people who you you know come to know and go to these really um, you know events in and of themselves are unusual circumstances. Like, I was talking to another friend of mine um, earlier this week about, you know, what I enjoy about reenacting and if there are things that, I, that, that you know, can be duplicated going forward. And I think the thing that I enjoy most about reenacting, um, you know, or one of the things I enjoy most about reenacting is just how unpredictable it, ha- it can be and, like, the like, you don't know what is going to happen at an event. Something crazy could happen and has happened before. And the sort of mystery box, um, it's its great. That's, that's one of the reasons why I really like going out to these things. You have to leave yourself open to that mystery, too. You know, you have to allow yourself, when you're planning for an event, the flexibility to sometimes go with the flow. Yeah, yeah, I feel like, and it's sort of, it's almost been to my detriment uh, before where I haven't gone with the flow, where I have been inflexible. And, yeah, I feel like that's, sometimes I've been thrown in, by, you know, a sudden change and haven't been able to recover from it. So, yeah. I went to an event one time that um, it was a, a tactical and it, it was with groups that we didn't really work with. It was outside of our region and it was just totally... Uh, you know, cringe, as one might say. It was like um, everyone was just kind of blasting away at each other in like a Civil War skirmish line style at like a 20-foot range. Um, <laughs> Horrific. The, the last the last draw <coughs> was when we saw a uh, like a Chevy minivan drive onto the battlefield and the, the rear kind of hatch opened and a man emerged with a uh, cardboard uh, one-man bunker of sorts, which he... He deployed onto the field and then went inside and started uh, shooting bottle rockets at other participants from, <laughs> from inside this concrete bunker. And so the guy, me and the guys in my group were like, all right, well, you know what? F this. Uh, let's just uh, ride our vehicles around this property. And that wound up being like one of the most fun events I ever did because the property was really cool. I had fun with my friends. It was cool going, you know, riding around with our vehicles. We got a motorcycle stuck in the mud, you know. Everyone was covered with mud. That's it, cool. You know, you can turn, um, a, you know, a sow's ear into a silk purse sometimes, right? Yeah. And, but but if, if, if I had just been like, this event sucks, is that a cardboard bunker coming out of a, of an Astro van? That man is shooting fireworks at us. To hell with you. To hell with everyone. I am leaving this hellhole. Then I, I wouldn't have made the memories with my friends that like endure to this day. Yeah, I feel like you have to have you know a sense of humor and some levity and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a. I feel like negativity or positivity are contagious. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And uh, if there's any sort of, you know, theme that I wish to convey in this episode, it is that. Um, I feel like that applies to many of the sort of, you know, anecdotes or points that Chris and I have mentioned. Yeah. I mean, you know, like we said, when when positivity uh, intersects with, like, practicality, pragmatism, and erases it, that's like a bad thing. Yeah. I mean, also, also, I mean, this is true, not just in reenacting, but, you know, in in a number of different situations. But, um, you know, if your friend at an event is in a sour mood, you know, if he, like, if he, if he isn't smiling, if he's sullen, you know, like, then maybe, you know... 
you were even if you were in a good mood maybe you're like in less of a good mood um after after you see that you know so i mean obviously sometimes stuff happens and people you know they get sad or you know they they get frustrated with things but i just i encourage everybody to try to you know approach events you know with a with a with a positive positive attitude and an open mind you know i'm generally speaking I'm not at all a fan of like getting wildly drunk at reenactment events, and I think that that can really detract from realism in many ways. Uh, but sometimes, you know, you kind of gotta play the hand you're dealt. Totally, totally, totally. I, I, I definitely like a a zony party, and sometimes even a not zony party. Like sometimes, just like. Like there, there are these weird parties at events, you know. And uh, if 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 you if you go there, you know, staunchly expecting an ultra realistic experience, and then you're confronted by this wild party with some modern stuff, um, like, okay, maybe sometimes like it isn't that kind of event, and uh, that 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 the party is a bad thing. But maybe sometimes the party is a really fun time. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that can be true for sure. Yeah, that can be good or bad. But but if you if you just write off the idea of anything like that, you know, before you even set foot in the door, you might be missing out on something that maybe is worth doing. Yeah, you know, don't knock it till you try it. Yeah, don't, don't knock it till you try it. You know, I, I think positivity, having the right kind of positive attitude is an important skill in a reenactor's toolbox. Totally. You know, to be able to sort of promote your idea, promote your unit, um, and, you know, ha have fun with your friends, be a guy that people look forward to seeing at the next event. You know, that all that stuff is really valuable, I think. Sure. A lot of former military members kind of are drawn to reenacting. Some of those adrenaline rushes kind of kind of come back. There's no perfect unit out there where everything is just nirvana. And, you know, there's going to be butting heads. There's going to be different ideas. There's going to be instances where it's almost like middle school or high school drama. Not only are events being cancelled, but Soviet reenactors Often reenactors who have supported the same shows for years and years are, are essentially now being said that they're, you know, being told that they're persona non grata. The Reenactors Corner, bringing history to life. So that's about it for us. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening to our uh, first uh, experiment with this outdoor thing. Let us know what you thought about that. And, uh, you know, hopefully it sounds good. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I think this was a solid episode. Thanks again also to all of the Patreon supporters who make the podcast possible. We really appreciate your support very much. Yes, thank you fine folks on Patreon. Okay, so um, to Ben and everybody else out there, I will see you in the field. See you in the field. We love hearing what you think about the podcast. So, why not let us know by reaching out in all the usual places, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for The Reenactors Corner, and you'll find us there. And maybe think about supporting us via Patreon. No matter how big or small, your monthly donations make a huge difference. You can sign up for as little as $2 a month. As ever, thanks to Mike, a.k.a. Retroman, for editing the podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and we'll join us here again at The Reenactors Corner. <laughs>